Welcome back to another Wrestling Highlights of the Week. My name is Gerald Garrett, a.k.a. G2, and I'm going here to talk about Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, and Impact Wrestling. And at the end of the show, I do want to talk about a little bit of the realism that professional wrestling should be trying to grab and basically what made Attitude are so great with their realism than today's product. And I'll get more into that after I read off what happened this week. Let's start off with Monday Night Raw. On Raw, you first started off with a battle royal to determine who would take over Randy Orton's spot for the triple threat match to happen later on the night for the last uh, men's spot for the Raw side of the Money in the Bank uh, for the men. Randy Orton couldn't be there, so they had a battle royal, and Matt Riddle wanted to take Randy Orton's spot since Randy Orton couldn't be there. He went up and told Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville that, Okay, listen, what happened if I go into the Battle Royal and I win the Battle Royal and then I will take over Randy Orton's spot from the Triple Threat match later in tonight? So if I win, Randy Orton will be in the Money in the Bank ladder match with me as well. So Deville and Adam Pearce said, okay, that's cool. Uh, So Riddle goes out there. He ends up winning the Battle Royal. And now he's set for the main event. It's now in the main event of Monday Night Raw. it It is... Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles, and Riddle to determine who is going to be in the Raw, well, Raw men's portion for the men ladder match, money to make ladder match. I'm sorry, so congested. So many words, but you get the drift. After that match, you had Nikki Cross and Nikki Cross beating Sheena Baszler by pinfall. Sheena with an inside cradle. Um, Nikki Cross got an assistance from Alexa Bliss because Shayna Baszler was out there with Reginald and Nia Jax. Alexa came out there and messed with um, all three of them, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, and Reginald. But she had all three of them in a trance because whenever she walked out, Shayna Baszler was on the outside of the ring with Nia Jax and Reginald. And they were just looking at Alexa because Alexa has this mythical uh, powers that she got. So... Nikki Cross gets on the top rope as they're all entranced and jumps onto them with a flying crossbody. And that is all of Alexa Bliss play out. But um, uh, Nikki Cross throws Shayna Baszler back in. They wrestle a little bit more. And then Nikki Cross is able to hit an inside cradle and get the win on Shayna Baszler. After this, you have the in-ring, not the in-ring, but the confrontation of Kofi Kingston MVP. The main point of this was... Kofi wants revenge on Lashley for beating up Xavier Woods last week in the Hell in the Cell. Kofi was giving props to Xavier Woods for saying Xavier held his own. Xavier was so close to beating Lashley. And then MVP comes out and say, well, Woods didn't beat Lashley. And just like Woods, you, Kofi, at Money in the Bank have no chance of beating Lashley to be the WWE champion. Kofi ran down MVP by telling MVP, listen, at WrestleMania, I beat Daniel Bryan to become the WWE Champion. Nobody believed in me then, at least in the backstage sense, but I had my friends, uh, New Day, and I had the fans believing in me. And that carried me to be WWE Champion. And this time, I'm going to beat Lashley. It's already been proven that I've beaten Lashley before in the past. Now I'm going to beat Lashley for whenever it counts, the WWE Championship. MVP told Kofi Point Blank, listen, you are not the same Kofi from that WrestleMania. You are a weakened down version for being around Woods. You're not the same guy. And that was basically the gist. And after MVP was jaw jacking, 
Kofi got out of the ring and hit MVP with a trouble in paradise. That's basically a spinning uh, roundhouse kick. And that laid out MVP in that end of that segment. The next thing that happened was this, was Dewdrop and Eva Marie going against Asuka and Naomi. They were running that match back again. The only difference was this was not a Money in the Bank qualifier match. This was a straight uh, tag team match, which ended up turning into a handicap match because when Dewdrop was in the ring, Eva Marie did not want to get tagged and she dropped off the turnbuckle. She dropped off her uh, tag team corner and stood there and let Dewdrop basically fight Oscar uh, and Naomi for herself. She was doing that as payback for last week for Dewdrop leaving Eva Marie in the ring by herself. And in this instance, Dewdrop was able to beat both Naomi and Oscar when she hit um, Oscar with a side splash. It was basically Oscar sitting down and then. Uh, Dewdrop running off the ropes and then basically a jumping splash onto Asuka and got the one, two, three. After the match, Eva Marie was shocked. And as the ring announcer was about to announce, and the winner is Eva Marie got the microphone from the dude and she announced, and the winner is Eva Marie. No Dewdrop in the announcement, just Eva Marie. So this is telling you, is going along with the storyline how Eva Marie is wanting all the credit for everything without doing any of the work, which is basically self-contradictory to all the hype and promo packages that they were building her up for all these uh, months. So you could tell that Dewdrop and Eva Marie are somewhere down the line of a uh, big old standoff of Dewdrop just basically beating up on Eva and then leaving Eva Marie out to dry, literally out to dry one day. But that's whenever that time comes around. The next match happened after this was Ricochet going against John Morrison, and it ended with a double countout. It was a great, spectacular uh, little sequence between the two, but the double countout came from whenever John Morrison was sitting on the barricade outside trying to catch his breath, but then Ricochet jumped on to the top uh, ropes and then hit him with a flying crossbody over the barricade, and they both landed on the opposite side of the barricade. Miz, in his wheelchair, was yelling for Morrison to get up, and he was telling John, yo, you got to get up and finish the match and all this other stuff. But both Ricochet and Morrison could not even get back into the ring. And that called for the double countout. Yet again, if you don't watch Raw, at least watch that uh, spot. Look it up on YouTube. Just go to uh, WWE's YouTube page and go to Morrison versus Ricochet. They're going to show you the spot what you're talking what i'm talking about the flying crossbody over the barricade just watch it it's a nice good distance that ricochet has to jump with his own he's athletic but just the ability to lever just to reach your body over and jump that far distance is a great stance at least for me i find that really incredible but once you see it you understand exactly why after this you had the match of charlotte natalia and T uh, tamina beating Rhea Ripley, Mandy Rose, and Dana Brooke by pinfall whenever Charlotte hit Dana Brooke with a big boot and got the win. Um, it was a standard six-woman match. It was basically Charlotte trying to go after Rhea Ripley, and you had the story of Tamina and Natalia trying to teach respect to Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. And it was nothing really to chatter about. It was just a match to have out there. It was a good, stable match. I'm not going to crap on it. It was good and stable, but it was nothing like to really like chat about. The only main focus was Charlotte and Rhea Ripley trying to get their stuff in and basically prove the point that Charlotte is better than Rhea and Rhea is undercutting 
Charlotte any maneuver that she can get. And then even after the match, Rhea Ripley chop blocked Charlotte behind the leg just to try to get that one more edge up on Charlotte because Charlotte is the queen. Well, she did come up from being Ric Flair's kid, and Ric Flair's known as the dirtiest player in the game. So Charlotte has that trait, and Rhea Ripley's just trying to show Charlotte you might be the daughter of the dirtiest player in the game, but I can be as dirty as you, and I can be as clever as you. That's the main story between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. After this match, you have the strap match between Jason Riker and Elias, and Jason Riker beat Elias by pinfall when he hit him with the black hole slam and got the pin. It's basically a uh, spinning sidewalk slam, I believe. Once you see, once you type in Black Hole Slam on YouTube, you understand exactly what the move is. Um, it was a solid strap match. They didn't use the strap a lot, a lot. They used it enough that you got the point of what a strap match is. And if you don't know what a strap match is, it's basically whenever each men are tied uh, together with a leather strap, but they're away from each other with enough distance that if you want to use the strap to try to beat up on your opponent with, you have enough uh, length with the strap to use it and do so. And it was not like all the past other strap matches. All the other past strap matches used straps, and I mean, they got welts on the guys and everything. This one didn't have them with welts and everything because this was a television match, and you only could get away with so much violence of that nature on television. So they had to play within that boundary. But again, it's solid. It's straightforward. You understand what it is. Jason Riker got the pin. That's all it was meant to do. And then after this, you came to your main event of Drew McIntyre going against Riddle and AJ Styles in a triple threat match for the Money in the Bank uh, qualifier in the last spot for the men on Raw side for their side of the Money in the Bank. Drew McIntyre ends up beating uh, Riddle and hitting him with a Claymore to win the match. The story of this match was Riddle trying to win the match to have Randy join the Money in the Bank ladder match along with Riddle. And Riddle failed, but he put on a nice competing, a nice effort. He was dominating the match early on, and then he was, well, he ended up trying to kick AJ Styles, who was like laid up next to like steel uh, ring post, not a ring post, steel steps, and AJ dodged Riddle's like running attempt because Riddle was trying to kick AJ. So AJ will feel the kick and also the steal as reinforcement. But what ended up happening was AJ moved and Riddle's foot hit the steel steps. And key the note on this, Riddle wrestles in bare feet. So his bare foot hit the steel steps. And with that happening, you saw Riddle completely just drop to the ground and start yelling out in agony. And you hear the commentator say, I think he broke his foot. And Riddle... Within the next second, you hear Riddle say to the referee, I think I broke my foot. And you start seeing the referee call from other people to come out to carry Riddle to the back. And Riddle is trying to plead with him, I got to do this for Randy. I need to do this. And they wouldn't allow him to come right back. So then you have Drew McIntyre and AJ just basically going at it. A one-on-one match to, to those mean two men together. And then, like, give it about a good six minutes later, you have... Riddle coming down to the ring, and his foot is all wrapped up and everything, and he's back into the ring. So now it's now back to being a triple threat match. Long story short, Riddle gets hit with a Claymore, loses. Drew McIntyre is now 
uh, completing the men's side on Raw for Raw for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. So for representing Raw in the men's uh, Money in the Bank ladder match is Matt Riddle, Ricochet, John Morrison, Andrew McIntyre. So far on SmackDown, it is Big E. So that was happened on Raw. And the last thing you saw on Raw was Drew McIntyre basically winning. Now to NXT. NXT starts off with the um, triple threat number one contenders for the NXT Women's Tag Team title match. It had Io Shirai and Zoe Starks beating Dakota Kai, Rachel, Raquel Gonzalez, Ember Moon, and Shashi Blackheart by pinfall whenever Io Shirai hit Dakota Kai with a moonsault. And this one was a solid opening match to start off a wrestling program. If you've never seen NXT, if you don't know much about their women's division, check out NXT, uh, this NXT episode, their beginning match. You'll understand how dynamic and how great their NXT women's division is just by itself before you start even checking out the rest of the product. And if you haven't seen NXT, I suggest you go to Peacock. Yet again, this is not an ad. They have not paid me or know nothing about this. Go to Peacock, go to NXT, and they should have their episode up already and just watch the beginning match it's great so now uh now candace LeRae and indy uh hartwell know that they will be defending their nxt women's tag team titles against eo sarai and um zoe stark next week at the great american bash after this you had karen cross calling out johnny gargano and Austin Theory, because Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory attacked Karrion Cross earlier. Um, they show a video package of Karrion Cross walking into the building and Johnny Gargano and uh, Austin Theory basically jumping and getting payback on Karrion Cross for jumping Gar- Gargano last week after his match. So Cross goes to the ring, he calls out Gargano, and Gargano ends up coming out and he berates uh, Cross by saying, Listen, you. Got me last week, and I got you. I'm better in the ring than you. I am the most superior man. NXT is my home. You are not worthy to hold that NXT championship. Whenever I was NXT champion, this place was better. Yada, yada, yada. And he basically told Cross, listen, you wanted me out here? That's fine. I'm here. But you got to remember, I'm Johnny Gargano, and I always have a plan. And as soon as Gargano gets in the ring, him and Cross are about to line up and face off with one another but Austin Theory jumps carrying from behind and now you have Gargano and Austin Theory jumping up on Cross and they got a nice little footwork they put a little stomp to him but Cross was able to shake all that off and start hitting T-bone suplexes on both Gargano and Theory and just constantly hit both of them with T-bone suplexes and everything until Samoa Joe and his security guard comes out there and separate uh, Gargano and Cross and they're more holding Cross to anything else. And Gargano was then able to hit uh, Cross with a super kick in the face. And that laid out Cross on the outside and allowed Gargano, in theory, to leave out of the building. And they're getting in their car and they're saying, great, that they got Cross and everything. And Theory is uh, praising Gargano for that super kick that he thrown in. Uh, Cross gets up and he looks at Joe and says, wow, Joe, great job you're doing. 
So again, this is antagonizing Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe can't lay hands on Cross or any other NXT superstar until they provoke him as in touch him. And Cross hasn't touched him. But you can tell that down the line, there will be a match between Samoa Joe and Karrion Cross. Somebody's going to snap. Whether it be Cross putting the straight jacket on, a rear naked choke on Samoa Joe, or Samoa Joe just snapping off and start putting hands on Cross. But it's being built up somewhere down the line that that's happening. After this happens, you have the in-ring debut, well, re-debut of Roderick Strong, and he's going against Asher Hill. Roderick Strong is coming down to the ring with the rest of Diamond Mine, um, Stokely Hathaway, better known as Michael Bivens in WWE, Tyler Rust in, in Deco Suzuki. I'm sorry if I butchered the man's name. Uh, Roger Strong beats Asher Hill by submission when he locks him into a butterfly lock. And that's this match was basically an enhancement match to showcase uh, Roderick Strong. It's been a couple months since we last seen Roderick Strong. And this was just a, basically a palate cleanser to let you guys know, okay, this is Roderick Strong. He was here. You guys should remember him. And he has a couple of new moves that he picked up into his repertoire since he's been gone in these past couple months. That's all this match was made for. And also to basically hyping up the match between him and Kushida somewhere down the line for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. After this match, we had the match of Cameron Grimes going against Ari, Ari Sterling. I'm sorry again, Ari Sterling. And Cameron Grimes beat Ari Sterling by pinfall whenever he hit him with the Caven. The Caven is a basically a jumping double stomp to the chest. And after the match, LA Knight comes out. And him and Cameron Grimes are getting into a back and forth. And Karen, Cameron Grimes tells LA Knight that he wants a match with LA Knight next week for the Million Dollar Championship. LA Knight plays up to the crowd and plays up to Cameron and say, Oh, you guys want the match? You guys want it? No, you guys aren't getting it. And then as soon as he's about to walk backstage, he stops himself. And he just looks at the championship and he looks at Grimes and he says, You know what? I have... Everything I need except for one thing to actually carry on the million dollar legacy. You see, I have the belt, but I'm missing that one thing that Ted had as well whenever he was a million dollar champion. And he told Cameron Grimes this, okay, you got your match next week for the million dollar championship. You got it. But if you lose, you will be my butler. Now, what's the significance of the butler? Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase had a man named Virgil who was basically his butler, his right-hand man, his muscle for whenever Million Dollar Man didn't want to do something, Virgil did it. If he needed his shoes to get clean, Virgil did it. If he needed him to be chauffeured around, Virgil did it. So LA Knight really wants to replicate everything of the Million Dollar Man, so he has Cameron Grimes be his butler if Cameron Grimes doesn't beat him next week for the Million Dollar Championship. Cameron Grimes agrees to this, and he says, listen, I have no problem with being a butler. That's fine, but I'm not going to be a butler because next week I'm going to beat you for that million-dollar championship, and I'm taking that million-dollar championship straight to the moon. I already have a feeling that we're not going to get Cameron Grimes winning the match at all. Cameron Grimes is going to lose that match next week. It's going to be a nice, entertaining back-and-forth match between the two men, but Ellie Knight is beating Cameron Grimes next week, and Cameron Grimes will lose it have to become LA Knight's butler and that's going to be an entertaining uh situation to see a modern day version of the million dollar man to see what type of crap LA Knight will tell Cameron Grimes to do on his behalf but that's for next week 
Um, after this, you had an in-ring promo of Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly calls out Adam Cole. This whole in-ring thing is supposed to be hyping up their match next week at the Great American Bash. And before Adam Cole can even enter the ring, Samoa Joe comes out and he has a fleet of security guards standing on the stage. And he tells Adam Cole in Colorado, listen, I'm here just to reinforce that you two men do not fight each other right now. You guys got until next week and we want to save that until next week. But without any further ado, you two gentlemen continue doing what you guys were going to do. Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly are now in the ring. Samoa Joe's in the ring. Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole are throwing bombs at one another, as in talking bombs. And Adam Cole tells Kyle O'Reilly, listen, I'm the reason why you're here. Everything that's ever happened to you, greatness, there's anything of greatness in your life, is because of me. Without Adam Cole, nobody would know who you are. And we don't have to look at WWE. We can look back in the past. Nobody would know who you are if it wasn't for Adam Cole. Kyle O'Reilly tells him, listen, I appreciate you and all this other crap, but whenever we went to NXT as the Undisputed Era and everything else, we were the dominant force here. But now as I look back at my time uh, reflection, I am ashamed of myself for ever even associating myself with you. And da-da-da-da-da, Adam Cole says, listen, you are nothing. Without Adam Cole... Kyle O'Reilly's nothing. If Adam Cole wasn't around, Adam Kyle O'Reilly wouldn't have even made the WWE. Without Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly would never have even been the man. And as a matter of fact, Kyle O'Reilly can't even beat Adam Cole. I know it. Samoa Joe knows it. The fans know it. Even your wife knows it. And that's when you see Kyle O'Reilly start flipping. You see it in his face. His whole demeanor change. And he gets on the mic and he tells Adam, don't you ever talk about my wife ever again. Don't you ever let my wife's mouth name come out of your mouth ever. Listen, next week, I'm going to beat you and show you why I am the better man. And I don't know what happened after this, but oh, no, no, no. Adam was about to swing and Samoa Joe ducks out of the way and Kyle Ryan was able to hook Adam Cole's punch and drop him and put him into a leg lock. And now Adam Cole is screaming in pain and he's yelling for Joe to tell Kyle O'Reilly to get off of him. And Joe is just standing there and just looking at Adam Cole writhing in pain in the submission. And Joe, and Joe does nothing. You see Adam Cole yelling for Joe, get him off of me. Samoa Joe's job, remember, is to uh, keep order and make sure chaos doesn't happen in NXT. And at this precise moment, Adam Cole's in danger. He needs help. Remember, Samojo said we're trying to preserve the main event. He's allowing Kyle just wrench on that submission log and just hold it and hold it and hold it. Samojo starts getting out of the ring and you hear Adam yelling for Joe. And I mean, just yelling for Joe like a baby yelling for his mom. And Joe gets on the ramp, and then he looks back, and he tells the security guard, okay, go take care of it. As soon as security gets in the ring, Kyle lets go. Security looks at Adam and holds Adam to make sure he's all right. And you hear on the commentary booth from Wade Barrett saying, wow, thanks, guys. You came in mad late. Basically laying down the foundation that Samoa Joe is not just there to keep order. No, if you try to mess with Samoa Joe... There's going to be issues and there's going to be some leniency towards this, as in this instance. And this also is laying up for another foundation for Adam Cole to basically go against Samoa Joe as well. Samoa Joe is adding up people 
that might want to snuff them out later. This is basically adding more layers to the when is Samoa Joe going to get back into the ring bubble. After this, we had the match of Zia Lee and Boa beating Mercedes Martinez and Jake Atlas by referee stoppage. This was a mixed tag team match. It was an alright match. The main thing that happened in this thing was the ending whenever Zia Lee legitimately knocked out Mercedes Martinez by hitting her with a roundhouse kick to the temple. And you saw Mercedes Martinez drop like a boxer. I mean, just holding stiff and crumble over down into the mat. And the referee got so confused and so worried that she had to call the match off after that kick. And that, oh, remember, kids, and everybody that's listening, professional wrestling, yes, they take safety precautions. They know what they're doing in that ring. They know what they have to do. But things do happen in that ring whenever things get scary. People do get knocked out. People do break bones. People do be messing up their teeth. You got to remember this. Wrestling is not just all performance. There is some physical attributes that has to be taken into precaution and that they must do in that ring and around that ring in that profession. So please have respect for people in that ring. Just want to put that as a cautionary note. But Zia Lee did knock out Mercedes Martinez, which basically gave Zia Lee and uh, Boa the win over Mercedes Martinez and Jake Atlas. After this, you had the face-off confrontation of MSK and Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. This is basically just to sell up their NXT title match for next week at the Great American Bash. And Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher uh, let MSK know that, listen, you boys have been NXT champions. That's fine and dandy. Tommaso Ciampa has been NXT champion. Old Toothless Timmy over here, he hasn't been champion in NXT, which is basically a kind of an iffy because last year when Riddle was in NXT, him and Pete Dunne were the NXT Tag Team Champions, but then Corona hit and... Pete Dunne had to go back to England, and which made Riddle basically have to find a tag team partner to defend the NXT tag team titles. He picked Thatcher, and in their first tag team match, they lost the tag straps to Imperium. Just want to throw that out there. So technically, by proxy, Timothy Thatcher has been NXT champion. But this one, he could actually say, I was NXT tag team champion from the beginning. So, um... Tommaso basically laid claim to MSK saying that I am a man that knows how to make a championship worthwhile. I'm a man that knows how to bring relevancy to a tag, to a championship. You boys haven't done that with those NXT tag titles, which made MSK get out of their chairs. And MSK let Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso, uh, no, Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa, yes, know that we are the champions. You guys are the challengers. We understand that everybody doesn't respect us as tag team champions. We understand that the people, um, we have doubters that don't see us as going in as champions. They still see us as the underdogs, but understand this. We are the champions. You guys are the challengers. Next week, we're going to make sure that everybody puts respect on MMSK's name. And then Nash Carter looks at Wesley says, I don't think they heard me. And then Nash Carter slaps Tommaso Ciampa across the face. Now, Timothy Thatcher wants to get his hands on Nash. 
Champa has to put his hands on Thatcher's chest and tells him, listen, listen, it's fine, it's fine. Tommaso walks up to Nash and he puts his head right, right beside Nash's head and says, listen, that one was free, but next week we're going to take your titles and we're going to take your dignity. And he gives Nash a kiss on the forehead, basically to son him. So next week is MSK going against Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher for the NXT Tag Titles. Now to round it off, next week for the next week on the Great American Bash NXT Edition, it is Million Dollar Championship, LA Knight and Cameron Grimes for the Million Dollar Championship. If Cameron Grimes loses, he is LA Knight's butler, but if Cameron Grimes wins, he is the Million Dollar Champion. You have the NXT Tag Team Championship of MSK going against Thatcher and Champa. You have the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships of Candice LeRae and Indy Harwell going against uh, Zoe Starks and Io Shirai. And then you have the main event of John, of not Johnny, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. This this their second match in NXT going against one another. So those are the four matches that have been slated for NXT um, Great American Bash. Those matches are going to be fire. I have no doubt about it. But let's get to the main event of NXT. The main event of NXT this week was the North American Championship was on the line when Bronson Reed defended the NXT North American Championship against Isaiah Swerve Scott, who has, well, Isaiah had the rest of the hit row of B-Fab, Top Dollar, and Ashanti Adonis around ringside. Bronson Reed lost the North American Championship to Isaiah Swerve Scott when Isaiah was able to hit Bronson Reed with a kick to the side of the head and it followed up with a 450 splash. Top Dollar tried to play interference in the match before that happened whenever he tried to uh, just um, ram himself, ram uh, Bronson Reed into the barricade, but he ends up missing Bronson. Bronson throws Top Dollar over the barricade, basically using Top Dollar's speed and everything. He basically grabbed him up and threw him across the barricade and Ashanti Adonis made sure Top Dollar was all right, and well, Bronson Reed sent Ashanti Adonis over the barricade as well. As soon as he was about to get in the ring, he hits a kick to the head, and then a top row 450 splash to his back. Swerve Scott turns him onto his back and covers him for the three count, and now you have Isaiah Swerve Scott, the new NXT North American Championship. Top Dollar and Ashanti Adonis and B-Fab get on the top, get on the stage, well, the ramp with with uh, Swerve Scott, and Homeboy is just holding the North American Championship, is now one part of the prophecy of um, Hit Row has been fulfilled of them holding championship gold. It's not going to be so long for, before the Ashanti Adonis and Top Dollar win NXT gold. I give it by... Mm, Probably the end of the year to probably January. They want to give them more time to get seasoned. Isaiah Swerve Scott has been seasoned. But you're going to give Ashanti D. Downs and Top Dollar more time to get seasoned on in the ring work. So I say now, I stamp it now. Probably by the end of the year, by December to January, we're going to see Top Dollar and Ashanti D. Downs is starting to get those NXT Tag Team uh, Championship contenders uh, rating on them, basically plastered on them where the fans are going to be wanting and clamoring for Top Dollar and Sean T.D. Adonis to go after the NXT tag team titles. That's what I mean by that. So in your last 
image that you saw was Isaiah Sore Scott holding the NXT North American Championship with the rest of Hit Row to end off NXT. Now for AEW. The first match was Penta and Eddie Kingston beating the Young Bucks um, by pinfall whenever Penta will hit Fear Factor, basically a package pile driver, and threw him off, threw Matt off to Eddie Kingston when Eddie Kingston was able to hit him with a back fist, and that allowed Penta to get a pin over Matt Jackson. It was a great match. If you don't watch AEW enough, watch it. They have great tag team wrestling every week. I would at least say, if not every week, every two weeks, they have great tag team matches. They are destined to have great tag team matches. They are making that a priority mission from their beginning first day to have great matches all across the board from high, from heavyweights to singles competition to tag competition to women competition to everything across the board. They are trying to make AEW the best. And AEW does do great work when it comes down to tag team matches. And this match was a straight banger to start off the show. And I can't say a lot about it. Well, I could say a lot because it will be longer. But I'm just trying to give you guys the short things. Watch this match. Go to your on-demands if you have cable. If not, find it and look for it somewhere online. Eddie Kingston and Penta going against the Young Bucks. Look it up somewhere. You won't be disappointed. I promise you that. After this, you had an in-ring segment of Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky cutting a promo. Ethan Page was talking about how he wanted this coffin match with Darby Allen to not be a physical torture, but for it to be a mental torture. Darby Allen has been throwing down steps. He's had broken bones and yada, 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 but he's always come back. Darby Allen is not going to be able to work and function mentally whenever Ethan Page puts him through inside the coffin because his main finish is the coffin drop. Ethan Page explained it to the fans by letting them know once he puts Darby Allen into the coffin, this is going to be a mental challenge for Darby after this match. Because every time he's going to think about hitting the coffin drop, he's going to think about Ethan Page. Every time he even thinks about the word coffin, he's going to think about Ethan Page. And every time he thinks about even performing the coffin drop, he's going to think of Ethan Page. This prompted to Sting to come out in, well, carrying in a buggy, a casket. And it had a sheet over it. He pulled the sheet off the casket, and inside was Darby Allen. Darby Allen comes into the ring and she goes after Ethan Page while Sting goes after Scorpio Sky. Sting drops Scorpio Sky with a Scorpion Death Drop while Darby Allen is clawing at Ethan Page's eyes. And he had a nice, good, solid uh, shot of Darby just having his fingers lodged right onto Ethan's eyes and just trying to just rake at him and just had Ethan yelling out, ah. Ah, and then you had the AEW officials and referees come out to try to separate Darby off of Ethan's eye. And you had Ethan get separated from Darby. He rolls out of the ring. He grabs the mic and he says, point blank, listen, that casket match next week has been canceled. It's not happening. Nope. You hear fans booing and you see the camera pan over to Darby and like, like, why is the match getting canceled? Like, how dare you? Ethan tells him point blank, listen. I am not going to do this with you next week. Nope, nope, nope. I want it in writing. If we want this match to happen, I want it in writing. That Darby can't touch me for a w the week coming up. So basically a week before the match, he can't touch me. And then maybe, maybe we can have the match 
on the first night of Fight for the Fallen. So that's weeks coming up whenever AEW's on the road. What I think AEW did was that they found out that they were too had too many matches set for next week, so they had to set this match to another big special for them down the line. That's what I think happened here. Anyway, after this uh, segment, you had the match of Jungle Boy beating Jack Evans by submission when he locked him into the snare trap. And after this match, you had Angelico and Matt Hardy and Private Party coming out to try to beat up on uh, Jungle Boy. But Jurassic Express and Christian Cage came out there to help Jungle Boy and level the play field, which had Matt Hardy and Christian Cage left in the ring and Matt Hardy got hit with a kill switch and he got and he rolled himself out of the ring and the only man standing in the ring left was Christian Cage. After this, oh yeah, and Jungle Boy is now the only member so far of AEW that has five, 50 wins under his belt in AEW. I would thought Kenny Omega probably did or even Adam Page, but Jungle Boy is the first man in a, uh, AEW history to have 50 wins under his belt, so congrats to Jungle Boy. After this, we had a Kenny Omega in-ring promo, and Kenny Omega came out with a Triple H circa 2006-era mustache and combination, mustache and beard combination. It's really weird. I didn't really pick up that con, pick up that image until somebody on Twitter posted up the side-by-side picture. I said, huh, I see it now. But anyway, the main focus of Kenny Omega's promo was him letting the fans know, listen, I've beaten everybody that there is to be in the main roster not the main roster, but on the main event side for AEW. I've beaten everybody. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break. I'm going to be going to my other promotions that I'm holding championships. And you can see me over there. You can see me there. You Trust me, I'm not going to be on AEW because I've beaten everybody here. But I'm going to these other promotions. I'm holding championships, and I'll be defending them there. You guys can catch me up on those shows. Thank you. And as soon as he's about to leave, the Dark Order comes out. And they tell Kenny, listen, we heard that you said that you've beaten everybody. But there is one person that you have not seen in a minute that would beg to differ about you saying that you have faced every single person. And the crowd is chanting, cowboy, cowboy, cowboy for a hangman Adam Page. And Kenny hears exactly what Dark Order is saying. And he tells him, listen, if I think of that exact person that I think you're thinking of, he doesn't want you guys even out here. He wouldn't want you guys out here even talking on his behalf. And if it's the same person I think that you're thinking of, he himself doesn't even feel that he deserves to be AEW World Champion. I know it, he knows it, and the fans know it. So with that, I bid myself adieu, bye-bye, good night, all the good jazz. So, it's setting up for down the line, you will get Kenny Omega going against Adam Page for the AEW World Championship. More or less on All Out, or probably, yes, an All Out pay-per-view. I see it that way. Not at it whenever they just start touring again with the fans, just so they can pop the fans and say we have a title change and try to drag and bring fans in. No, they're going to do that at a pay-per-view where it actually makes a lot of sense to do it. So, I see at All Out, probably Kenny Omega going against Adam Page. But the story right now that they're trying to tell is that Adam Page doesn't feel worthy. He feels it within himself. He doesn't feel worthy. 
and it goes to backstage after this promo. It goes to commercial, comes back. You have Dark Order backstage, and Adam Page comes up to them and asks, says to them, what are you guys thinking? I never told you guys to speak for me on my behalf. And yada, yada, yada. Dark Order tells Adam Page simply, listen, you've been hard on yourself ever since you lost the AEW Tag Team titles. You've been hard on yourself for a long time. We told you point blank, listen, we didn't need a leader. We didn't need none of that. We just needed a friend. And right now, you have been a friend to us, and we're going to be a friend to you. And each one of them tells them, listen, you can do this as they're leaving out. And the last man to toss him was Alex Reynolds. And he tells him, listen, you've been hard on yourself long enough. It's time for you to get back on that horse and go after that AEW World Championship. We believe in you. And that ended that segment off. After that segment, we had the TNT Championship match of Miro defeating Brian Pillman Jr. by submission when he locked him into the game over. Simple, straightforward match. Brian Pillman Jr. did phenomenal in the match. He was able to give Miro a couple of hits and licks in, but Miro was able to stomp him out as he should. After this, you had the tag team match of Dr. Britt Baker and Rebel beating Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero whenever Britt Baker locked the lockjaw submission onto Vicky Guerrero and made her tap out. After the match, Nyla Rose put Britt Baker through a table by powerbomb. A table was set up outside. Nyla Rose got Britt Baker, powerbombed him inside of her inside of the ring, then dragged her out onto the apron, picked her up, and powerbombed her right through the table on the outside. And on your main event of AEW, you had MJF going against Sammy Guevara in a phenomenal, flawless main event match to send the people, um, ha- well, I'm not going to say happy, but give the people of Daly's Place a nice, good match to end off their night. MJF happened to beat Sammy Guevara by pinfall whenever Sean Spears hit Sammy Guevara with a steel chair over the head. Uh, Warlow and Sean Spears came out and Chris Jericho was on commentary throughout the whole night. He saw Sean Spears coming out. He was walking towards Sean Spears, but Warlow jumped Chris Jericho from behind, put the boots to him. Warlow caused the ref to look over to him and he tells the ref, listen, I'm about to throw Jericho off. I'm about to throw Jericho off. He throw Jericho off their little stage set onto the floor. It wasn't that far of a drop, but it was a nice little drop for Jericho. He does that. The referee's distracted. And uh, Sean Spears grabs a chair and hits Sammy Guevara in the head. Sammy Guevara lays down in the ring. MGF is next to Sammy Guevara, all tired out. He drapes his arm over Sammy Guevara. And he gets to one, two, three. And this was AEW's final like show in Daly's Place for a good solid minute until they come back in August because they're going to be touring next week, starting off because they're next week, they're going to be in Miami. But they've been in Daly's Place for a good solid year and a good couple months. And now since they're able to go back to touring, they're going to be doing touring. So they wanted to have a nice, good main event to send the people of AEW, the fans that have been at Daly's Place whenever they could go there, and the people that have been watching AEW from Daily's Place, they wanted to send people happy, and they did a whole video package at the end of AEW to 
let Daly's Place and the people of Jacksonville know we support you guys. We thank you guys. We thank you for everything you've done for the AEW wrestlers, AEW backstage people, the people in the offices, just people that work in AEW. They want to thank people in Daly's Place. That's how AEW ended off their television show with a great phenomenal main event that I suggest you do look up. Yes, it is slow in the beginning, but whenever it starts getting picking up the pace, trust me, they pick up their pace and they get the job done. I suggest you look up for it. Like I said, it's on demand somewhere if you got cable, but if you do not, look it up somewhere. I'm pretty sure somebody got it somewhere. Uh, now down to Impact Wrestling. The first match was supposed to be Eddie Edwards going against Kojima, but W. Morrissey came out and told Kojima that his match with Eddie Edwards would not be happening because he attacked Eddie Edwards in the parking lot. I'm not sure what they're trying to set up. I understand they want to give uh, W. Morrissey some credibility and take out Eddie Edwards, who is a credible in-ring worker, and he, he can do hardcore stuff, and they probably want to add some credibility to W. Morrissey's name by saying he took out one of Impact's guys. But to do that right here, it doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense, but that's along the point. Kojima's now in the ring, and he's just trying to, he's just startled. And that's when Sam Beal and Brian Myers comes out. Brian Myers tells uh, Kojima that he needs to leave out of the ring, and yada, yada, yada. I would tell Sam Beal to uh, guide you and be your shadow and everything else, but... He can't learn nothing from an old man like yourself when he can learn from the most professional wrestler, Kirk, not Kirk, but Brian Myers. This prompted to Jake something to come out to stand up with Kojima, so now this is turning into a tag team match. Kojima and Jake something going against Sam Beal and Brian Myers. And the conclusion of this match was Kojima hitting a lariat on Sam Beal to get the pin. So the winners of this match was Jake something and Kojima beating Brian Myers and Sam Beal. After this match, the next match that followed was Rachel Allenring beating Tennille Dashwood by pinfall whenever she hit her with a sunset flip. After the match, Kayla with a K and Tennille Dashwood try to attack Rachel Ellering whenever Jazz comes in and is able to fend off Caleb and Tennille with uh, Rachel Ellering, but the numbers gain, well, they get overpowered by um, Tennille and Caleb, and Jordan Grace has to come out and save Jazz and Rachel Ellering from Caleb and Tennille. So now, at the end of that segment, you had Tennille and Caleb walking up the back ramp as Jordan Grace is in the ring looking at um, Rachel Ellering and Jazz. Jazz tells those two to hug it out. They hug it out. And now it seems like the team of Rachel Ellering and Jordan Grace are back together, but they got to work their way through. That's the story that they're trying to tell you. After this, you have the match of TJP and Fala Blah going against Rich Swan and Willie Mack, but it turns into a no contest when Violence by Design attacked both teams. This match was more than less going to set up for a number one contender for the Impact Tag Team titles. And Violence by Design came out there and completely ruined all that after all four of these men were completely tired. And they just put the boots and dominated and just laid all of them out. So more or less, probably a anniversary will be getting a triple threat uh, tag team for the Impact Tag Team Championships. That's just my 
little mindset that I think they were going with this. After this match, you had Chris Bay beating Petey Williams by a pinfall when he hit the Art of Finesse, which is basically a springboard cutter. After the match, you had Rohit Raju, Ace Austin, Madman Fulton, and Shiro coming out to put the boost to Petey Williams. Chris Bay leaves out of the ring. He doesn't want to be part of none of this. And as he walks up the ramp, Josh Alexander and Trey Miguel come out there to try to save Petey Williams from this four-man beatdown. Josh Alexander and Trey Miguel put up a nice fight until a numbers game, four on three. All four men start putting the boots to all three of them. Chris Bay's up in the up on the stage and he just looks back at the ring and he's conflicted at himself. This goes on for a little too long and then Chris Bay gets into the ring and he picks a side and he helps out Trey Miguel, Josh Alexander, and Petey Williams to go against uh, Ace Austin, Rahit, Shira, and Madman Fulton. In the end, the last four men standing in the ring tall were Alexander, Trey Miguel, Petey Williams, and Chris Bay. So this is now turn Chris Bay from a bad guy into a good guy. After this match, you had Steve Macklin beating Manny Smith by a reverse 1916. If you know what a 1916 is, it's a high angle DDT when he lifts his opponent up and drops him on their head. He just does a reverse. He does it whenever he turns him around, lift him up that way, and just drop him. This was a basically a squash match again to show off who Steve Macklin is. That's all this match was meant to be. And in your main event, you had Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers going against Sammy Callahan, Moose, and Chris Sabin. This match was a fun six-man match. This had the dynamics of Sammy, who doesn't get along with people, and the dynamic of Chris Sabin and Moose, who are entangled in a feud right now, and they're having a match at uh, Slammiversary. This led to the idea of how these three men are going to co coexist with one another as the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega, who are basically family, able to coexist with each other and be cool. They didn't. Sammy Callahan and Saban were able to play nice with one another and do the job, but Chris Saban and Moose, not so much. Chris Saban started it, and he hit Moose in the chest with a uh, chop, basically as a tag, and the referee told Moose to come into the ring and Chris Saban was berating Moose. Moose gets in the ring and he looks at Saban and Sammy Callahan tells Moose, matter of fact, screw this. He tags himself and he tells Moose to get out the ring. Get out. When the time is starting to end and the match was ending, Chris Saban is putting the boots to Kenny Omega and he's about to set him up for the Cradle Shock DDT. In the end, Moose tags himself in and he, uh, Saban couldn't hit the Cradle Shock and this leads to a back and forth between Moose and Saban. And in the end, Saban gets hit in the face by Moose. Moose walks out on his team. And the Good Brothers come in and hit the Magic Killer on Chris Saban. And Chris Saban gets pinned. One, two, three. And the last thing image that you see on Impact Wrestling to end the show was Kenny Omega with his belts. As Kenny Omega is holding his belts, you see Moose on the ramp. And you see Sammy Callahan on the outside looking into the ring while the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega and Don Callis are standing in the ring as the victorious team to end off Impact Wrestling. Now, Friday Night SmackDown. 
Edge opened up SmackDown with an in-ring promo, and his main point was is to let Roman know that him and Roman, they both know that Edge can beat Roman Reigns. As a matter of fact, Edge pulled up a photo on the Titantron, and he had the production people uh, zoom in on Roman Reigns' eyes as Edge locked in, had Roman Reigns locked in uh, with the crossface at WrestleMania. He pulls that photo up. He tells the producers to look at and zoom in on Roman Reigns' eyes. And you had the producers zoom in on Roman's eyes. And Edge tells him, listen, I see fear. When you look at that photo, you see fear. You see Roman having fear in his body. He knows he's about to give up. And you then he tells the producers to zoom in on Edge's eyes. And they zoom in on Edge's eyes. Edge's eyes tells the story of a possessed man trying to get back what should have been his. And that's what Edge's whole story is. He wants to get back what was rightfully his, something that he never lost. And that's the world championship. This will be a storybook ending for him. But at WrestleMania, that wasn't the case. But this time, at Money in the Bank, is going to be a one-on-one match between himself and Roman Reigns for the Universal title. That was the main point of his whole diatribe and speech. I'm the man that's going to beat you, Roman Reigns. You know it, and I know it. After this, you had Biggie and Nakamura beating Apollo Crews and Baron Corbin by pinfall whenever Biggie hit Baron Corbin with the big ending. It was a simple uh, match, and this whole match was basically trying to tell the story of how Baron Corbin is basically falling to pieces after losing the crown to Shinsuke Nakamura. King Corbin got his car repossessed during the match uh, before he came down. As he was coming down uh, the ramp and being introduced, the ring announcer says, and King Corbin, and the music and everything stops, and the the announcer gets told, wait a minute, what? That's not, oh, Baron Corbin, and the camera zoom right back in on Baron, and Baron says, come on, man, you ain't got it, come on. You can see he's all down out on his luck. The whole match was showing off and letting everybody know that Baron Corbin has been going through things and he needs to uh, figure out how he can get back on the right track. After this match, you had the in-ring promo of Bailey and Bianca Belair a face-off. The main point of this was Bailey telling Bianca that she's better than Bianca. I was a better SmackDown champion than you were. Yada, yada, yada. Bianca gets on the mic and tells Bailey, listen. You are a great wrestler, without a shadow of a doubt, but you are not me, and I have been dealing with people like you for a long, long time. And then, you know what? You have been getting on my nerves. So, at Money in the Bank, if the WWE officials will allow it, I want to put up my Women's SmackDown Championship against you in an I Quit match. Bailey looks at Bianca and laughs, and she says, you must be joking. And then Bianca doesn't joke. She keeps a stern face. And Bailey runs down the list by saying, You know what? You know I don't, you know I'm not gonna quit. I wanted to do this ever since I was a small child, and now I'm here. You know what? If I were to say I quit, I would probably leave off SmackDown brand. If I were to say I quit, I would probably leave WWE. If I were to say I quit, and she says something else, but the main things were she will leave WWE. And Bianca's just sitting there, and she makes her face like, I didn't say all that, but all right, cool. And after Bailey says that she accepts, Bianca starts laughing. And Bailey says, why are you laughing? Bianca says, 
I wanted to end you talking, but now since I've heard you talk, I'm so glad that you've said everything that you've said. So now, more or less, is going to be added into the I Quit match. If Bailey does lose, she will probably be gone from the WWE. But we shall see. They did make official. It will be an I Quit match for the SmackDown Women's title. But they didn't add that stipulation that if Bailey loses, she will be leaving WWE. But they still have some time to include that. They got two more weeks until Money in the Bank to try to see what they can try to finagle and finesse into this story. After this, you had the last man standing match between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for a Money in the Bank qualifier match on the men's side. And Kevin Owens won this last man standing match by hitting two power bombs through two separate tables on Sami Zayn. And then he hit one more power bomb on Sami Zayn on the apron of the ring. It was a hardcore match between the two. If you know Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, their whole history of matches. Those two guys know whenever they got to turn it up, they turn it up. They know when they actually got to just throw hands, they throw hands. They're the best of friends. So they, in this business of wrestling, whenever you're the best of friends, you are able to have the greatest match with one another and do what needs to be done. And that's what happened with this. If Yet again, this is not a Peacock situation, but I'm pretty sure you can find it somewhere on YouTube. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn, last man standing match. Look at it. You won't be disappointed. After their match, you had Sonya Deville yet again coming out to announce another uh, woman's contender for the SmackDown, to represent SmackDown for the women's Money in the Bay match. And this one came to a shock to me. The woman that Sonya Deville picked was Selena Vega. Now, history lesson. Selena Vega was Andrade El Idolo, uh, the man in AEW. That was her, his manager whenever he was in WWE last year. And also, Selena Vega got fired last year by WWE in November. So, there's been speculations and rumors and everything that she's been back with WWE. They saw her at the WWE Performance Center and yada, yada, yada. I don't usually like to say any of that until it's been actually confirmed by somebody that is a guy that can get all the scoops and everything and then once they get the scoop i'm able to look at it and say okay this is what the deal is and i didn't hear none of that i only heard speculations and rumors but apparently they were true and to make this also one more funny thing is she is the she's the wife of alistair black Alistair Black, if you remember me saying this, he was the guy that got fired with the people of Braun Strowman and yada, yada, yada around that blocking of firings. And whenever Alistair Black was high, not hired, whenever Alistair Black was still working for WWE, his wife, Selena Vega, wasn't working for WWE. So now we have a flip of what happened last year. Alistair Black last year was working for WWE, Selena wasn't. And now in this year, Alice Black isn't working for WWE, and now Selena is. That's just a little side, t uh, side note and also history fact for you. As soon as Selena gets announced, Selena tells Sonya Deville, thank you for the opportunity, and goes on her accolades that she's been in the ring for some odd years. She can't wait to win that Money in the Bank uh, ladder match, so then she can probably be Raw champion. SmackDown Women's Champion, or even NXT Women's Champion. She listed out just the possibilities. Liv Morgan interrupts and tells Sonya, I can't believe another person you gave a spot to 
what about me? I am that I'm that good and blah blah. Zelina tells Liv, listen, she didn't pick you because, well, I'm me, and I've been doing this longer than you. And that if you want to get in this match, you got to make a statement. Liv said, I got to make a statement. She slaps uh, Selena Vega across the mouth, and Liv looks at Sonya Deville and says, is that statement enough for you? Sonya then makes the match between Selena and Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan ends up getting the win over Selena Vega by hitting her with a Roll up, but she holds the tights on the roll up. And also, backstory to this Selena Vega tried to get the win by doing a roll up with the tights, but the referee caught her. So now it was turnabout as fair play when Liv Morgan got Selena Vega in the roll up and grabbed the tights, but the referee didn't see it. And you can see after the match, uh, Selena Vega was complaining to the referee that my tights were pulled by her. She pulled my tights. You got me, but you didn't get her. And Liv Morgan just blew a kiss to Selena to antagonize her like, uh, you didn't, I didn't, I didn't get caught, but you did, ha ha ha, type of uh, childish behavior. After this match, you had Otis beating Angelo Dawkins by pinfall when he hit him with the Vader bomb. This is another, just a squash match, just to prove the new persona of Otis as he's this dominant machine that Chad Gable is has in his possession. That's all. Otis is to Chad Gable. That's this whole story plot. And in the main event, your last segment of the night was Jimmy Uso. He called out Edge because as the whole SmackDown thing was going on, Jimmy Uso would go to Paul Heyman and ask Paul Heyman, okay, where's Roman? Because he, I know Roman saw and heard what Edge said. Edge said he's this and that. Well, tell Roman that I am here with him, and whenever Roman gets here, me and him will both stomp out Edge. And Roman never shows up that night. Roman never shows up the night. He ends up, uh, Jimmy tells Paul, listen, I'm going to go out to that ring. I'm going to take care of business. I'm going to be main event Jimmy Uso. I'm going to do what Roman needs for me to do. And then he uh, goes out to the ring. Jimmy Uso calls Edge out. Edge comes out. Jimmy Uso tells Edge, listen, I'm here by myself. There's no trap. Nobody's around. I'm here. And as a matter of fact, I'm good without Roman being here to for this at all. I'm good. I can take you on myself. Edge tells Jimmy point blank, listen, I know you thought, I know you think you're clever because you Roman's around here somewhere. I know that's what you're thinking. But here's the deal. You thought that you guys set up the trap for me. Oh, no. This is a trap. But Roman set this trap up for you. And as Edge said that, Edge drops the mic and starts walking towards the ring. Jimmy drops his mic, and now he's looking around the stadium looking for Roman to somewhere pop up to try to blast Edge as Roman would sometime do whenever he did it with Jay Uso. So now you have Edge beating up on Jimmy Uso. Jimmy does get a hit in by a super kick, but... After that super kick, Edge starts just beating up on Jimmy Uso. So in the end, you see Edge lock in a crossface on Jimmy. Jimmy taps out. Edge lets go. He goes outside of the ring. He grabs a chair. and He puts the chair down and he breaks off a chair leg. He goes inside of the ring. He locks. Uh, Jimmy Uso back into a crossface, but he uses the chair leg to lock the face and hold the grip. 
and the camera is zooming in onto Jimmy's face and you can see the terrified in his face and he just tapping and tapping edges yelling out saying look look at this Roman this is you I'm going to hurt you and I'm going to win the universal title at Money in the Bank so the last image that you saw on Smackdown was the exact picture image of what Edge did to Roman at WrestleMania by locking him into the crossface with a chair leg and put the fear of Edge into Jimmy Uso. This is more picking up the story base of Jimmy Uso constantly running his mouth too much and Roman has to put him in his place. Almost identical to what he had to do with Jay at the beginning of his whole right hand man stink, stink, uh, stint with Roman until Jay had to learn his place as well in the whole dynamic of the right hand man to the head of the table, the tribal chief position. This is what Jimmy's going to have to do. He's going to have to go through his trials and tribulations. And then whenever he is done talking too much, he's going to learn to shut up. And whenever he gets told to talk, he gets told to talk. And until then, he's going to constantly get beat down by Edge and get set up by Roman. And that's uh, your wrestling highlights of the week for that. And I want to talk about wrestling realism for a minute for a quick silent second. It ain't going to take me long because I don't want to keep you guys longer than what I already have. Wrestling needs realism. If you haven't seen MGF versus uh, Sam Guevara, look at it. But the way I want you guys to go to YouTube. Go to AEW's YouTube uh, page and watch the video package of Sam Guevara versus um, MJF and the way that Sammy Guevara was talking reckless about MJF and the way that MJF was talking reckless about Sammy. Sammy mentioned how he never liked it, MJF and how the company AEW is protecting MJF, how MJF never wrestles on AEW and this is supposed to be a wrestling promotion and yada yada yada. And then you have Sammy Go and then you have MJF say how Sammy Guevara isn't a good wrestler. He's a flipper and People in 2021 think that flipping and doing all these type of doodads is wrestling, but it's not. They were bringing in real life things that people were complaining about on the internet, but fixing it within a way that they can work it into making you want to see this match more and more. And that's what they were doing whenever they did this. And that's what Attitude Era had a great deal with. You had The Rock who was able to make fun of you, and but whenever it's time to get serious, he was able to get serious. You had Austin who was able to cut jokes a little bit here and there and also piss off Vince whenever he needed to piss off Vince with the McMahon character. But he whenever it's time to him to get serious, you know it was serious. When you had Undertaker come up on the television screen, you know it was always serious because Undertaker didn't crack no jokes. Mankind, he was able to give you your comedy relief, but whenever you got serious, it was time for seriousness. Professional wrestling needs that little bit of realisticness to it. You can have your funny characters, you can have your laughable characters, but you need your seriousness moment. Roman Reigns, his whole story is nothing but serious. It's no jokes and games. It's all about him being the head of the table. You guys listen to me. I'm here for my family. I'm here to keep the Samoan tribe at the top. That's what I'm here to do. And you guys have to do what needs to be done he's bringing in legitimate claims into what he's doing he's showing you that he is that guy and everything that he does is of caliber of that main event star that he is 
And I believe wrestling needs more of that. And I probably worded it wrong. I think they need to follow the right categories. If a category, if a star is able to pull off some funny moments, have them pull them off at the right time. But majority of the time, keep them serious as they should be. Roman Reigns, serious character, he's serious. Orange Cassidy, AEW, funny character, keep him funny. But in the ring, you know he can do and take care of his work. That's all it counts for in the ring when the bat bell rings. But before then, you're going to have him be jokey, be funny, and everything else. But whenever it's time to get serious, let Orange Cassidy get serious. And that's what AEW does best with Orange Cassidy. So I praise both. But I just think that professional wrestling needs to find that craft again that don't overstep your boundaries and also lodge in certain personal things that people might say that's, ooh, that's taboo to talk about. Because in wrestling, there's certain lines that you can't cross, invisible lines, that we've been just so equipped in, just so like, oh my God, you can't say another promotional name on uh, your company. WWE has never acknowledged, like, Impact Wrestling. AEW, they did that, like, once or twice, uh... New Japan is only whenever they want to do the accolades from whoever they got from these independent stars. They mentioned, like, the IWGP Championship, but they never mentioned, like, New Japan. Like, he wrestled in New Japan against Okada and started just throwing out these names to clarify that you WWE's naming, like, New Japan. It's cliche to do that, but... AEW and Impact Wrestling does name these type of places, but the cream of the crop, the top, WWE does not. So we just all get our playbook from WWE nature. But yet again, wrestling needs to have that realistic flair and feeling back to them. And whenever they get and they nail these realistic flares and feelings, as in the Roman Reigns storyline, as in uh, MJF and Sammy Guevara, their little sit down, uh, YouTube uh, promo package to hype up their match, it brought and it sucked me in and made me want to watch it more and more. I was already hyped for it, but just watching that got me a jolt of energy like, oh my God, I can't wait to see it. And I believe that's what everybody is missing in this time and day. That's all I'm saying. But that has been me, Gerald Garrett. Before I let you guys out of here, here's where you can find me at on my social media links. Twitter at my two podcasts, Instagram, my two cents podcast, G2, business inquiries, my two cents pod at yahoo.com. And you can find this uh, podcast on Podbeam, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. I want you guys to have a great Saturday. Check me out tomorrow on my Sunday episode where I talk about uh, current events and anything I personally do want to talk about. And this week, you probably want to listen. Because I'm going to be talking about, well, obviously Bill Cosby came out, but I'm going to be talking about other things as well. And I might get myself in a little hot water, but I'm okay with that. But this has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by G2. Thank you, and have a great Saturday. Check me out tomorrow on Sunday morning. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.